Hello and welcome back to From the Be All End, the Burnley podcast. And this is the debrief after Burnley nil, Manchester United won. A better performance, but in the end of the day, still the same amount of points in return for it. Let's get the team's impressions. Andrew Greaves, Chris Borden, Paul Woodhouse and Justin Connolly, full squad here. Let's kick off with uh, Justin Connolly. Justin, you were on Turf Moor and uh, and took all that in. What were your impressions of uh, Saturday? Yes, I was. Um, well, ultimately it was a disappointment, I think, because I thought, obviously this is not a vintage Manchester United side that we were up against. It was a very, very typical Manchester United performance, I thought. Be absolutely shit for 90 minutes and rely on one of your superstars to pull something out of the top drawer, which he seems to do very, very often. I thought the goal was a bit of a disappointment as well. I thought Bayer and um, and Charlie Taylor could have done a little bit better with that, just clip, clip ball into the box there. But it was a fantastic finish, isn't it? And when you get a goal like that against you, you sort of think the gods are against you and... and it turned out to be the first half I thought was a fantastic performance. I thought we played really, really well, created some great chances, hit the post, forced a good save out of Vanana. Yeah. Um, I thought, it, I thought it was superb. The second half, we, we really started to look like we'd run out of ideas after about 10 minutes. I'm surprised he didn't change it before he did. I think it was, we got to about 70 minutes before he, before he did anything apart from the, the sort of injury uh, substitution in the first half um, and I just think he talks a lot about progress and, and, and getting better every game I'm not sure we. I'm not sure it was a better performance than it, it was against Forest because I think Forest were a tougher proposition than Manchester United were um, but it feels like it's going in the right direction to me and it feels like it's only a matter of time, but I really want to see some points. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree. I couldn't well. agree more with that. We, with Justin, I think everything that we thought would happen happened. I mean, Woody said, you know, they've still got players who could come here and and get goals, which they did. You know, they did. I mean, it's the only thing Fernandez has done. I mean, at one point, Fernandez was in mm. the right back position as they got like six across the back. And that's after we'd run out of ideas. Um, but I agree with Justin. I think that first half was was superb. And you just think, you know, it's literally the fourth official's board has just gone up when Fernandez scores that. And you just think, get to half time. We'd, we'd kind of had the let off with a goal that was disallowed. Um, and a word for the referee. I mean, we were we were very, very critical of the referee at, uh, at Nottingham Forest. I actually thought uh, the referee, mm. Tony Hartington, I think he's called, I thought he had a superb game. You know, he went, I wouldn't, I, I didn't have a clue what the VAR was for, for the, the, the goal that was chalked off. But he went to the screen and he went, you know what? Yeah, Ireland is interfering with James Trafford, rule it out. Fantastic. So I thought they got the officials were good. So we'd had a bit of a let off and, you know, it still worries me that we can't really defend set pieces. Um, you know, we rode as luck. But, I mean, that is, I mean, Chris Casper kind of alluded to them being pretty poor. That is a shockingly shite Man United side. I mean, when Hannibal, who was poor last season here for Birmingham, is their mm. best player, you know, the best player in the United shirt, you know you're in trouble. When your second best player is Johnny Evans, you know you're in trouble. Um, it's that lack of clinicalness. And, you know, I've said to a few people today, Foster plays, we don't lose that game. It's as simple as that. Because I think Foster 
bullies that Man United backline, and perhaps there's a different dynamic. I think it's clear that Amdouni's not a number nine. You know, I was all for Amdouni playing number nine. In hindsight, I'd have probably either played Jay or got Jay on a bit sooner. I thought when it ticked to 60 minutes, I thought, right, now's the time. You know, get a, bit of, get a bit of momentum. And it just left it a little bit too late. You know, Benson, again, could have done with an extra 10 minutes because he was just starting to wind things up. And I don't know, it's, I, I, you know, I, I think there's definite progress. I think it is a better performance than, than Forrest. I think we were sloppy for 30 minutes against Forrest. Um, I think there is progress, but still only one point on the board. But I think it's coming. And I think, I mean, what Sheffield United's capitulation against Newcastle, I can't see us being in a position where we would allow that to happen. So that's one team that we're automatically better than and better equipped than. We've just got to find two more to be better equipped than. I think it sort of it, mm-hmm. it, it, it shaped, shaped up as we suspected it might. We, we, we knew that Burnley's possession football was capable of causing United problems and capable of creating openings. And we suggested on Monday night, can Burnley be clinical with them? Uh, so I think Amdouni did all he could with the header. You know, it's a decent stop. You know, the one he's he's unlucky with the one against the post. But you know, really, if we're being if we're being critical, you know, he's got to take that. And it's if Burnley go one nil up, you know, against the like I say, as poor a United side I've seen in my lifetime, they're absolutely dreadful. But again, on Monday night, we said that. Any one of the stars is capable, you know, in the second, the conjuring up a moment, a genius. And Fernandez, who was that peripheral, he didn't even referee the game like he usually does. He, uh, <laughs> well, just, just an absolutely sensational finish. You know, it's, uh, you know, not in the Van Persie league, but, you know, <laughs> up there. But like I say, I agree with you. It's about the referee. You know, there, you know, I think there was a point in the first period where Hoyland goes down. You know, moaning and wanting a free kick because someone's breathed on him, and the referee was having none of it. You know, he didn't uh, sort of suck up to the uh, you know the big characters in the United side, and uh, I'd say the the goal that's ruled out is justly ruled out. Although United mm-hmm. fans will point to uh, Harlan's the other week, and uh, again we've got this inconsistency, haven't we? You know, it's all right. Premier League referees coming out a couple of weeks later saying, oh, yeah, we apologise for that incident. Well, it's costing mm. teams points all the while. But, uh, yeah, promising. Yeah, I remember speaking to Roy Coyle years ago, and he, you know, when they were first getting the Octostats through, etc. and he would, you know, 500 passes was a good performance for a possession side. Burnley have knocked up nigh on 700 passes last night against an elite club. You know, he'd scored three times in Munich in in, in mm. midweek. So to put that, you know, to put that level of you know of passing together suggests that they're on the right track. But it's just to to me, they still look a little a little shy in the in the final third. They like sort of need someone to sort of take the initiative. Really, the you know the the play some lovely fluid football up until that final third. Couple of times, you know, a couple of inventive moments, but beyond that, like I say I ran out of ideas, and and the changes needed to be much earlier. And 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 why shift Osho over to the right hand side to accommodate Trezor when uh, Goodmanson went? I mean, that Dallo couldn't cope, could he? Pure and simple, you know, second 
you know, a World Cup fullback in a week that just couldn't live with him, and we and we've yeah. we've switched we've switched him. So, Re- Regulon yeah. did though. Regulon had him in his pocket. Absolutely, really, absolutely. Burnley reject Regulon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woody, what were your thoughts? I think it's a testament to how well we played in that first half, to how United adapted in that second half. They basically mm. parked the bus, bus in a way that even Dash would have been embarrassed to do it. I watched that second half again. They went man for man. You saw even like mm. Rashford dropping in to like the full back role, looking very unimpressed by it as well. But they were dropping. There was there were six behind the ball, and it was nigh on impossible to break them down. It obviously looked like we didn't have a clue how to break them down. And then when they pushed us out wide, we had two or three instances of Trezor airing down that right-hand side. And then I didn't see a single other Claret shirt going anywhere near that box. Yeah, um, I think that goes to show how much we either miss Foster or somebody playing up front. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to at least arrive. You've got, to, you've got to arrive. But I think that first half is arguably one of the best performances I've seen from a Burnley side who were able to control a so-called top six side in terms of possession and the half overall. And I was extremely impressed with that, especially on second viewing as well. But like everybody said, you know, that doesn't translate to points. We're looking now at a week where had we had a different uh, decision Monday, you know, and things that have gone slightly better for us and we hadn't had two worldies, we'd have had four points. We're looking at one instead. And that's the thing that's obviously slightly worrying, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, the, that first half, that first 45 minutes, definitely the best half of the season anyway. Um, and, and the best hmm. has been for a long, long time in the Premier League, I think. And the disappointment was that, you know, the second half with all that possession... A lot of it was very predictable, wasn't it? We didn't, we didn't really push United with that possession. We didn't ask enough questions, really. And I, I just wonder, you know, it's we're into we're into the realms of like, have our solutions caused new problems here? But, but you know, with the way the midfield is set up, there isn't Brownhill isn't that midfielder who breaks from the midfield and really causes an attacking problem. He's solidified it, and it was right to bring him in. But he isn't that kind of player. Maybe Sander Berger is more of that that kind of player who could get in and create something from the central area. But we're so dependent on the wingers creating, aren't we? As we were last season, to be fair, and they delivered Zorori and Benson most of the time. But I just I just look at it and think like, right, we're probably going to get quite a few games where we have loads of possession because you know maybe maybe when when some of the teams we're expected to beat. Or get result, hoping to get results against. There's no one we're expected to beat, but teams we would hope to get results against come. They might sit back like that as United did in the second half, and then in that case, yeah, what have we mm. got? You know, without centre think, forward. Yeah, I do. And again, that's why you know we were we were kind of discussing it was a bit negligent not to bring a left back in. I do think the other trick we missed is not backing up that that centre forward because Absolutely. we will lose Foster to the Cup of Nations, African Cup of Nations in January, I think, as well. At the same time as we'll lose the Rory, so you, you're taking two bits out of there. You know, Jay for me, 
you know, he needs a little bit longer. He almost needs 10 minutes to get into the speed of the game. And when you're bringing him on so late, you've then not got a chance for him to get into it. But I was really impressed with Brun Larson when he came on. I mean, he mm. put a ball in, just crying out for anybody. I mean, he's almost a Barnes-esque. Mm-hmm player you yeah. want in there you know as far as he's playing <laughs> yeah. that whip i was just gonna say that's the, that's the guy we needed <laughs> it's barnes isn't it? it's barnes versus yeah. rovers all over yeah. but brun larson exactly quietly exactly. impressed me when he's come mm-hmm. on yeah he's, yeah. He's, he's very very tidy and mm-hmm. the fears were around him not playing a lot of football and things like can he adapt i think we're going to see a bit more of him and i, I almost wonder whether now we're getting to the point where we rest collie osho for a game, you know, it might be Newcastle, it might be Chelsea at home, and then mm. you try and get a Kolyosha on after 60 minutes and get that impact at the end because he does run out of steam, as you'd expect for a young lad. He does run out of steam. Yeah, he does. He does. But also, I mean, one of the problems we had last night, I think, is that when when Plan A didn't work, um, we didn't we didn't sort of the, the Plan B was to bring different players on, wasn't it, rather than sort of adapt to the game. I thought United started pushing up the back line a little bit, and don't know whether you, I don't know whether you could pick this up on TV, but Trezor and uh, and Kolyosho were making so many runs along the line as as Aldakil and Bay were passing it between themselves, but nobody had the balls just to click one over the top for them to to chase, you know, just to see if we could get behind them in that way, and you just it was crying out for a sort of. Um, something a bit different. Maybe we'd have been told not to do that, which is which is fair enough. But it, it needs a it needs a sort of an a, an adaptation to what they do, and we don't have, we we didn't seem to do that last night. It was that, I, I thought that was a bit disappointing. A different approach. It was all safety first, wasn't it? I mean, I know we've criticised them in most of the games that they've played so far for being too brave, but they seemed just a little bit too timid to me last night, and that and that sort of cost us a little bit I think second half though definitely at the end of the match I was thinking it was quite a shock when Trafford went up for that corner because we didn't seem to be playing like we were desperate to get a goal to equalise and just you know I mean maybe we're just used to a style of football where you know when we are desperate for a point we start launching it into the box and stuff which you know that's obviously not going to happen with this team but you need something different, like you say. You need to mix it up and get some... Ur- there wasn't quite the urgency that you expected for a team that was 1-0 down against the United team that, let's be fair, has loads of injuries as well. We can slag them off, but they're badly weakened mm. by injuries. But they were an entirely mm. beatable United team. And that was the feeling I sort of had at the end of the game was, yeah, really nice performance. In- loads of encouraging signs, absolutely. But they were there for the taking yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, mm. they, re- they really were. That's it. That's the city way, isn't it? Though you, you know, you look at them. I can remember you know when they were losing the Champions League final against Chelsea, and they constantly recycle it. The patience—they never look like they're like you know the old school desperation football. We all get it forward, but then again, we ain't got the ain't got the height. That's why you know we're so we're so weak at defending set pieces. Yeah. So weak at so weak at taking set pieces. Both of them are bad, had, aren't they? Yeah. The th- I mean, the threats, the, the aerial threat's not there anyway, but the actual delivery's been shocking to start with. But again, throwing Trafford up late on, it's it's purely another body because he's not like, uh, you know, he's not a big goalkeeper. He's not six foot four lad. He's going to make a nuisance of himself anyway. It's uh, yeah. I mean, say the it looked like we'd put somebody oh, yeah. from the social media team to go into the penalty area or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, he looks yeah. like a young lad. Doesn't yeah. he? 
Some so kind of SEO expert, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Hey, easy target. Yeah. <laughs> it won't go it's up for stuff in our six-yard yeah. box. Why would it go up for anything in their six-yard box? Let's get it right. So they, they tried a bit of invention, didn't they, with you know, the couple of short corners. and But it's... I mean, Brown, Brownhill's fancied himself as this set-piece uh, maestro for a few years, and I've never seen any evidence... <laughs> of no, him no. being a being you know being a set piece expert, full stop. And you you look at I mean, Johan was obviously off the pitch, but you, there's enough quality in those wide areas, especially when you bring your Bensons on and Zororis to to be able to deliver yeah. a good dead ball. It's just it's not rocket science, is it? So those sort of weird short corners they were doing kind of almost worked, didn't they? But when they tried to just not cross it. Neither of them. I think Trezor took a few corners, didn't he, as well? But yeah. neither he or Brownell could could get it over the first man. But they, I mean, <laughs> do they not practice corners? Yeah, surely that's like. Well, we have got a set piece coach, haven't we? And I'm, I'm beginning to wonder whether that's a wasted wage, because right. we are. I mean, I presume that set piece coach is at both ends, defensive and attacking. But they, you know, teams. All the teams we look to as kind of being brilliant at setting up, they all they all have a really good set of routines, you know. Mm. And you miss that kind of, you know, the old routine of Michael Duff running over the low ball for Jay behind him or someone just to kind of get in. I think Berger had one header over, and that's the only corner yeah. where we properly mm. got it into the mix and got mm. a Burnley head or a part of the body on it. But we were really crying out for that intensity post half time against Villa yesterday because I felt if we'd come out with the intensity that we did against Villa you know yeah. we said that against Spurs as well didn't we you know come out with that intensity United are a bit like they caught cold but it, it all went a bit passive I think someone used the word passive Simon it might be new on the WhatsApp group no. would it? passive no, no. it was just a bit too <laughs> passive in that second half and it needed though. to be a bit more active you know and I yeah. think that's that's the issue if we'd have gone at them you know Johnny Evans and Lindelof at centre half, both fullbacks. I think on a booking at that point. I don't know. Certainly mm. Dallow's on a booking at that point. Well, Requiem got one for uh, for asking for a yellow card, didn't he? he did didn't he? Yeah. Just I love that. Modern love football. That. Yeah. Brilliant rule. Get at them. Yeah. You want, you want their body language. Yeah, you've third got one. Person, <laughs> you? Third person to approach the referee gets a yellow card. I think it is. I've seen a referee counting the players and going, right, you weren't the first, you weren't the second, but you were the third. Mm. Them's the rules, yellow card. He um, was moaning at Osho for a nothing, you know, absolutely yeah. nothing malicious in it whatsoever. And he was he was running around the park like he'd uh, committed a heinous crime and, uh, yeah, f- starts flashing the imaginary yellow and referee says, yeah, you can have one, son. Mm. I love in, that. Individual-wise, uh, for me, my standout player was, was Al Dakil. I thought I thought he did re- really really well at the back. Um, what were other people's? You know, not necessarily man of the match, but sort of stand standout performances that that caught your eye. Woody, Dakiel was fantastic. I thought, um, but also I thought Trezor showed himself, especially in the first half, as a good as a good bowler. Bowler Ramsey had a very good seventy minutes. Um, Brun Larson looked good when he came on. Even Berger, I love, I love first twenty minutes Berger and last twenty minutes Berger. It's that bit in between that it all kind of falls to bits a little bit, you know. But um, yeah, there were a lot of things. There were a lot of good performances. But I'm, I'm going with uh, definitely Dekeel with regards to that. I thought that was his most accomplished performance, and he looked very, very confident. 
yesterday. Are they fixed as the centre half pairing? Do we think now? As as O'Shea had his chance and and sort of for the time being. I think so. I think they're yeah, the yeah. best two. I think they're the best two centre backs. Whether it's mm. the best pairing, you know, it's hard to hard to sort. You know, without without seeing everyone together, you know, Ekdal was 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 impressive last season. But uh, it's that recovery pace, isn't it? Alder Keel's got mm. them covers yeah. in in the Premier League, and that little. Uh, that little intervention, you know, superb intervention to stop Hoyland. You know, he thinks he scored there, yes. and uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's like add, mm-hmm. adding adding that physicality. He's a young lad, and he's growing into his body mm-hmm. a bit. But that added physicality just to be aggressive and you know and compete, and he's adding that. He's, he's striding out with a ball. We all know he can can pass a football, but you know, he's that's uh, like. Uh, the passing starts is is more completed passes than United's three three centre mids, which is staggering. Mm. Says all well, says all you need to know about United's uh, midfield three. But uh, yeah, he's most uh, of them sideways or backwards though. Yeah. That is true. Exactly. Yeah. All to bear. A, yeah. But we like straight lines, don't well, we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to have an episode without that? <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to we're going to we're going to rename the Straight Lines podcast in, in, in <laughs> honour of our friend Lyle, Lyle from from. But South one straight Africa. line I really do really like watching. I could watch over and over again. Is 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 Jordan Bayer surging out of the yes. back line <laughs> deep yeah, into their off? I can't not since. Southampton Steve Davis, I think we have the centre half who could really do he used yeah. to do that a lot, didn't he? Yeah. The problem is though, he keeps getting the ball nicked off him when he gets halfway, <laughs> doesn't oh, he? Yeah. Like, oh dear, I better turn round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's but again that I think that is the evolution part of it. At the minute he doesn't know when to do it and when not to do it. And he was successful on one of them, but then mm-hmm. caught once or maybe twice before he got into his full stride. Once you get him into his full stride, he's very difficult to knock off that mm-hmm. ball. Um mm. but yeah I'd agree with Woody in terms of a couple of the names he picked up. I thought Ramsey was superb for yeah, such a slight too. lad. He was he's quite <laughs> strong isn't he you know he he, yeah. he uses the ball really well. Quickness Run Larson we've been stuff fast doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah mm. and it's that it's that that is kind of going to keep teams on their toes. You know, you can imagine that against an Everton or the way Brentford played on Saturday as well. You know, that kind of interchange at the front, if we can just add that bit of quality, that final bit of quality, because again, at the at the final third, it's the final bit. Getting into the positions isn't a problem. It's that final bit of quality that's the difference between us scoring goals and then taking that extra touch. And we all said it, didn't we? You know, sometimes you've just got to shoot. Sometimes you've just got to try and mm. test the goalkeeper rather mm. than this perfect kind of, you know, and every team does it at the minute. Um, but everyone talks about plan A and plan B. Ange Postacoglu, uh, his famous quote is always, what's plan B? It's just do plan A better. And I think that's probably a kind of Vincent <laughs> company philosophy. You know, yeah. it is just get different players in to execute the same plan. Einstein, of course, says insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different <laughs> result. So I don't know whether you're a big Ange or you're, or you're Einstein, but we'll find out by Christmas, I'm sure. Yeah. Everyone, everyone loves Ange, don't they? There's some Celtic fan saying the other day on social media, so it's like he's been uh, been beamed down from outer space, and all of a sudden people are discovering him. You know, he's like he's been doing exactly the same thing north of the border for two or three years and saying the same things but obviously it's we don't we only pay attention to the big six down here and that's it 
big picture mm. then, I mean, I think we all sort of agree on, on most of that performance stuff yesterday, but big picture, I mean, I was picking up from some Burnley fans on last night, starting to get a little bit antsy, four straight home defeats, a little bit worried. The three promoted teams seem to be falling apart at the bottom, or not falling apart, um, separating themselves from the others at the bottom. Um Anyone worried, or are we all still in the... Uh, Greaves is shaking his head vigorously already here that he, he's got no worries whatsoever. Go on then, Greaves, he tells us why. No, I've, I have no worries, and I think I, Woody kind of summed it up, you know, and it is, without getting old Sean Dice, it, it's fine margins, isn't it? You know, had VAR gone our way, had we defended slightly, you know, and it's all ifs and buts, of course it is, but we could have had four points on the board and we've separated ourselves from the bottom three then. And Mm. this run of games we've been on, you know, you've obviously got to play every team twice. So I I think we judge it at the halfway stage. I, I think it's one of them where I can see progression. I, I'm I'm happy. I came off the turf yesterday, pissed off that we'd not put United to the sword and got anything out of the game. Mm. But, I, I, you know, and I'm, I, and I'm not that much of an optimistic person usually. I'm a right miserable get, but I, I just see, I see the players we've got and the talent we've got, and I just think as soon as we kind of get through Newcastle and Chelsea, that's the real test. And it's really, somebody said, a freakish run of fixtures at the start yeah, of the season, really freakish. And the annoying thing is we've got to play all them teams who give us a spanking at home away at some point as well. So that's it. But it does mean that we've got that mini league of 10 teams mm. around us to play home and away. And I think that that to me, you know, I'm not, wor- I'm not worried at all. I still don't think we're going to get relegated. Perhaps downgrade my enthusiasm pre-season for a top 10 finish a little bit. <laughs> but I do just think I have... A- 100% belief, and I've said this before, that he will get that right with those players. Mm-hmm. You know, Charlie Taylor, three games Charlie Taylor's played, we've conceded two goals in that time, mm-hmm. albeit two against Nottingham Forest, two games against Nottingham Forest, one against the poor United side. But we look much more solid. You know, the club put out that video of Charlie Taylor's slide tackles in the corner, which is almost worth a Twitter account on its own. Um <laughs> But again, he was the same. You know, he, very few wingers get passed into the byline because he's got mm-hmm. that that experience just to go. You know what? We'll give a throwing away. Don't care. We'll just give a throwing away. And you look at people like Dan Byrne. You look at Trips. Look at all these players who play in top teams who are doing well, and their fullbacks are doing that. Don't let them get to the byline. Don't let them get a ball in. And every little bit, I think, is is us just improving one or two areas of every game. So the passing about, yep, yeah, sideways and backwards, et cetera, et cetera. But that to me is the evolution of getting them players used to playing the ball out from the back because we were shite at doing it against City. I mean, O'Shea let it run out of play twice. You know, so it's it's all about what can we get out of each phase. Yep, yeah, disappointed we didn't create very much, but I think defensively we look solid. We've got to learn from the Johnny Evans ball over the top. We're probably not expecting him to dink a lovely ball over the top, by the way. But it's said them little bits. Can every single game you break down into a hundred different passages? Do we get better mm-hmm. in them passages? So Bayer coming out with the ball, we're getting better. He's not losing it as much. But we can't stop him from doing that because he needs to do that more and more to get better at it. Does that then unlock the wingers to break beyond the lines? Because we've seen him do that. Ekdal did it last year for a goal where he slipped a ball in. I think it was the one where Brown had the effort mm-hmm. saved and Roberts came in. So for me. 
if you look at it on a kind of forensic level, every little bit that we're kind of going, oh, God, that's just a bit slow and all that. Like, it's getting everybody used to what it is. It's that system. That's, I mean, it might not be. That could be a load of bullshit that I've just been spouting. But for me, that's how I see it. I see it almost helicopter view. Every passage. We're trying to get better at it. You put the case. You did well. I know. I was very kind of confident the more I carried on talking. I thought to myself, that sounds like Einstein. You've got a degree in companyology here. So I back the big man. I back the big man. You've got to back the big man. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you are you on the same page with all this? Are you are you seeing I'm, the same things? No I think worries. I'm a I'm a little bit I'm a little bit less optimistic uh, 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 than that. I think. I mean, I know that ninety percent of talking about football is talking about what might have happened if something that didn't happen had happened. The bottom line is, we've only got one point, you know, <laughs> from five right. games. That's the bottom line. My brother sent me a text this afternoon. He was all enthusiastic about this. We're only four points off 16. No, hang on, is it 16? 14th. We're only four points off 14. And that, my response to that was, it's going to take us another 20 games to get four points if we go at this rate. I'm, I, I'm, I'm seeing that. I'm seeing that progress that companies talking about. I'm seeing them getting better. But as I said at the start, it's got to turn into points. It's got to turn into points because. We're getting to the stage now where we're going to get left behind and we don't want to have a lot of ground to make up. You know, we don't want to be cut adrift at the bottom there. We want to stay in touch. And in, the only way to do that is to get points. We, 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 by all the stats last night, we were the better team. We had more passes, we had more possession, all that sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, the only stat that counts is how many goals you score. And we didn't score any, even though we quite obviously should have done. So I'm 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 not pressing the panic button yet, but I am sort of thinking, yeah, I I I, t I take what company says about it's getting better and performances count, and you know if, if we keep playing like this, the results will come. Well, we're getting to the point where those results have got to start coming, otherwise we're going to be in deep trouble quite quickly. I think. Yeah, I mean, as daft as it sounds, a, a, a win makes us all feel a, a whole lot better. And that win, it's it's that now, it's that Premier League know-how. Do these players know how to win a game in the Premier League? Well, no, they don't yet. So as soon as that first hmm. one arrives, changes everything. But it's, like I say, I'd, I'd agree they're progressing. They're looking more at home. You know, they're looking more comfortable. But it's... Yeah, that, it's just that final, you know, final couple of percent here and there, and uh, yeah, is is that wing going to come in the next couple of games? <sighs> Again, you know, well, Chelsea are a basket case, aren't they? But you, the, 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 it'd be typical of Chelsea to do what Manchester United had done and turn up and one moment of magic, bang! But it's. Again, like first first goal is like Sean Dyche's goals change games. You barely get the first goal last night. It's an entirely mm. different game. United have to come out a bit and and so on and so forth. They got the first goal at at Forest and all of a sudden it's game on. You know, it's you know the and they got the second one as we well know. But uh, it's uh, you know if you get the first goal mm. again at home to Chelsea, then you know you're cooking with gas. So it's uh, it, just having that clinical edge like it's it has it, 
you're not going to create many absolute cast iron chances, and you've got to have to take them. And uh, let's see, I think Foster's uh, Foster's return can't come soon enough, really. What do you? How was your mood about the Clarets? My mood. Uh, I think somebody on Twitter summed it up quite nicely. They said Burnley are a pep side that don't have billions to spunk on strikers. And I think that pretty much sums it up. I'm, I'm in the progression, and I'm a lot less potentially suicidal than I was <laughs> maybe after the first two or three games. I could see a Jeff United coming, you know, after those two games. I thought we we're going to wind up being whipping boys if we didn't turn it around. And we've turned it around to a better degree. Now, yeah, we've got yeah. to turn that dial a little bit further. And now we have to turn that into results. And we all know that. They know that. And But those are those fine margins. So I'm optimistic, but still slightly worried. Thank, yeah. So there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same place. I'm just looking at the fixtures now then. So obviously Salford on Tuesday. Then it's Newcastle away. Not expecting a lot from that. Anything there's a, a bonus, isn't it? Then it's the Luton game on the Tuesday, the rearranged Luton game. Which has got to be point or point. It's tougher, it? tougher, tougher game than everyone's making out to be. By the absolutely, way. you know, an mm. almighty, almighty scrap to to win there last season. You know, imagine you know, remember how uh, obdurate they were at home. Again, they got the first goal and made life bloody difficult for us. So it's. Yeah, uh, you know, it's no banker by any stretch of the imagination. Then there's Chelsea at home, and then which I think we can, even though Chelsea have been a bit all over the place, I think it's it's in a similar category to the Man United game, that one, isn't it? And then, and then I think these three games are absolutely crucial. Brentford away, Bournemouth away, Crystal Palace at home. Those are three games we've got to be collecting points from. And if, if, yeah. if, if we come out of those with three defeats, then I'm really worried. But yeah. that's mm-hmm. I'm going to wait until after that Crystal Palace yeah. home mm-hmm. game, November the 4th, Bonfire night is when I'm going to decide whether we stay up or not. I think that's a I think that's a reasonable marker. I think that's a it reasonable is. marker. No, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's difficult so far because of the opposition we've played. But I 100% agree with you. You know, if you're going to stay up, you got to, you got to get points away against those teams, and you've got to beat them teams at home. And I think that's that's what we've always built on. You think about Sean's time in the, you know, it's beating Palace at home, it's getting some of it at Bournemouth, it's getting some of it, you know, wherever, you know, getting some of it at Luton probably. Absolutely, if you offered me a point now against Luton, you'd take it. You'd have, you know, you'd bite their hands like we would do at Point at Forest. You know, it's that that Luton game is probably they, you know, they're thinking this is a game we can win. If they're still winless by that point, I don't know if they've got over the next. Uh, um, oh, well, I don't know if they've got next weekend because then their next game will be against us. But if they're still winless at that point, you're thinking, if they're not winless, if they've somehow got a win and we've got a bit of a, you know, we've come away from St. James's with nothing, then you kind of go, right, they're three points ahead of us. It becomes even more difficult then to, to kind of go to Kenilworth Road and, and get something. But I'd agree with you, Sam, and I think Bonfire Night, <laughs> Bonfire Night special, um, we have to do it, don't we? Could yeah. be depressing. Yeah. Could be, you know, we could be 14th or wherever Justin's brother's got us uh, by yeah. that point. <laughs> could be set to divide. Yeah, Luton at Everton guy, next week, aren't we? Yeah. 
Yeah, but when you look at the league table and see the three promoted teams in the bottom three, this is going to become a debate. I'm sure Sky Sports News will be ramping it up tomorrow and, and, and throughout the week. It's going to be a talking point, isn't it? Has the gap, let's have this as a last topic to go around with, has the gap between the Championship and the Premier League grown in the last couple of years? Is it is it harder to do what we're trying to do now than when Coyle's team came up or when Dash's teams came up? Chris. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's a yeah, it's, well. It's uh, I, well for 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 how many years? When it, well, when I was a lad growing up, the big six included Everton, and it didn't include Manchester City. And a lot of people would say, "Why does it include Tottenham?" Because they haven't won anything in my bloody lifetime. But uh, it, that that big six has become. I'm looking at it before. I mean, you're like Brighton are. You know, they're they're in the Europa League now. They're the business has been absolutely sensational in terms of like developing and selling on and blah blah blah. I think Brighton are assured of a top ten place this season. You know, you're looking at you know West Ham have gone and won the Conference League. Villa, are, you know, to all intents and purposes, you know, should be pushing, pushing for top six. I'm not saying they'll get top six, but they'll be in and around it. I, I think that big six is sort of, sort of blossoming out a bit, and now. It's it's not that the top sides in the league have kicked on. I think that the entire league has strengthened. And you look at the money that Bournemouth have spent and so on and so forth. You're probably looking now to the relegation fight. It's probably between six or seven at, a, at tops. And I think when Sean was here, I think we all really felt it could be anyone from 10 or 11. So I think that middle group has probably strengthened to the extent where those games where you're thinking, oh, we can get, we can nick something off, off today. You ain't getting anything off them anymore, I don't think. Justin? I, I think it's undeniably more difficult. I mean, and I think one of the biggest differences is uh, a lot of these teams now have really impressive depth in the squads you know it, it used to be the case that come come sort of february when players started picking up suspensions and injuries a lot of these teams had, had struggled but they've all got they've all got a lot of strength in depth now um and, and another thing that's uh, changed is this this idea that that these clubs have got an identity like brighton are the p- perfect example of it aren't they they invest wisely and uh, and that that sort of blueprint they've got you know, allows them to push on. Like like Chris says, they've all they've all improved. It's not it's not the it's not the top six moving away from everybody else. It's the whole league moving forward. Um and and it makes it more difficult when you've got teams like City who basically have two teams of like world class players. Um so injuries, suspensions, they can just absorb it in a way that the 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 teams that come up can't. Yeah. And I think that's why we've sort of bought so many players. In the hope that you know, if we if we do suffer those injuries and suspensions to key players, we have got you know we have got a lot of numbers. Whether the num- whether we've got the quality or not remains to be seen, but the, there's no there's no denying that the whole league has changed immeasurably just in the in the last two or three seasons. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the fixtures, and it used to be that you you'd look through during Sean's time, you'd look through and you'd say. Right, we've got that little run of fixtures. That's why I was looking for those three games. But you used to be able to look through and go, right, we've got Norwich, Hull and Bournemouth. You know, that we've got to be getting seven points out of those three games and stuff. 
But when you look through the fixtures now, every other game you come across one and go, eh, you know, like, I mean, we've got that Palace home game. And then after that, it's Arsenal away, right? We're getting note there. And then you go, oh, we're at home to West Ham. West Ham at home now is a really tough game. Didn't used to be mm. that tough. You'd fancy his chances in the past. Sheffield United at home, right? We think we'll win that one. Wolves away, you know, that's a mm. tricky one. Brighton away now seems a really tough game. You know, then Everton at home, okay, Fulham away, that's a little run. But then you've got Liverpool. There's, there's never three games anymore that you can look at and go, that, that could be a little run. Greavesy, mm. your thoughts on, on the overall? Yeah, I think Chris summed it up when he said that that middle section has got bigger, you know, stronger. You know, your Brentfords would be a guaranteed kind of relegation dogfight, your Palace every year, your Brightons for for you know, a couple of seasons were, were perennial just about surviving, you know, they have enough to, to kind of pull away when they mattered. But that's the toughest bit. And combine that with identity, as Justin said, we're trying to build an identity. I don't think we undershone the identity was solid, you know, did a job. But Sean was always fighting with one, you know, one arm or both arms tied behind his back due to the lack of investment. So he did really well with what he he had. Hence the reason we brought in all these experienced campaigners who who did really well for us, your Bardsley's, your Peters, you know, who kept us in the Premier League. Sean worked miracles. Now <clears throat> we've got the double whammy of trying to compete despite teams like West Ham going on and winning European competitions. And, you know, having dodgy starts, but I think they're better focused this year. Whilst trying to build an identity that moves away from the tried and tested. And that's mm. the thing that could be the making or breaking of us. If we if he gets it right and we become Brighton, that's great. If he gets it wrong and we become a Leeds United, that's not so great. I mean it's obvious, isn't it? But that's that's the kind of thin line that we're striding at the minute. Building identity but tr- and and trying to compete with everybody else's spending going up. We spent more than most teams in Europe this summer. Is it going to be enough? And I think that's the exciting ride, isn't it? You know, we know these players. We were worried about kind of, oh, we're going to be up shit creek because we've bought all these players and if we don't make us money back, you know, your Amdunis are going to bring your money back, your Collioshos are going to bring your money back, your Traffords we know is going to bring the money back. So financially, we kind of feel a bit more secure because we've got this talent, these assets on a on a spreadsheet worth X or Y. It's then the on-the-field stuff, which is the, the jeopardy for me. Woody, leave us with some words of wisdom to wrap up this episode. When you look <laughs> back on... on... You know, following the Premier League era, like going back to like when Coyle came in and we had those games mm-hmm. and all that excitement at the start, how different is it, do you think? Obviously, obviously quite a lot for what, all the reasons uh, everybody said. But if we look at one, I think this is, a, you know, the narrative of the week, you know, the bottom three, the three that came up, etc. That's not going mm-hmm. to be the same at the end of the season. So I'm not going to take much notice of that right now. Because if we look at, say, Brighton when they came up, was it 2018, whenever it was, whatever, they only just finished above the top three, only just. And now look at where they are and what they've done, etc. So it's it's definitely still doable. And it has to be smart. And we'll see as to how that works. You know, will there be one or two whipping boys, etc., who are guaranteed to go down? But I mean, yes, it, it always looks worse from the bottom, doesn't it? When you're looking up, it always looks slightly scary. Everybody's more difficult. Everything's a potential minefield, etc. And 
we'll 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 let it play out. We'll 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 have this discussion again, I think, in Bonfire Night, and then we'll can make a better uh, set of assumptions. I think we'll do that. I'm liking this new improved Woody. I'm definitely feeling Vincent Company about Woody's <laughs> development and progress on this podcast because he's like he's got he's put the extra hours in and gone back and watched the game again. And it's, exactly. It's, it's, very yeah. impressive. In the, in the back cave, uh, in the back cave at Barfield. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you want to. That's what you want to see. Yeah. The worry is, he's our new Committed. set pieces coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just booting a ball at a beagle. That's all I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. All right. Well, we'll be back on Thursday with another episode of from the Be All End. Um, uh, it's been great uh, chat, and uh, hopefully we'll have. Uh, a win on Tuesday to talk about. We certainly expect so at Salford City in the Carabao Cup. Uh, be interesting to see what sort of team we play in that one. And then we'll be looking ahead to that uh, nice casual trip up to St. James's Park uh, on the following weekend. Um, as usual, do follow us uh, on social media at Behold Podcast. And we say it every time, but it does make a difference if you, if you can put a rating in there or a review on any of the podcast services. Great to see the numbers going up every week for people listening to this podcast. Um, and we'll keep that going by people telling their friends about it as well. There's nothing uh, better than sending a mate a WhatsApp and saying, hey, have you listened to this podcast? Thanks very much for all the positive feedback as well last week, especially on the Up the Clarets uh, forum there. Some really nice words which were appreciated. Thanks very much. Have a good few days and we'll speak to you on Thursday and Up the Clarets. Mm-hmm.